Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. Well, today we're going to dive into the doctrine of baptism, and um, and and to start out, I'm gonna I'm gonna go, and this is gonna be a bit of an in-depth teaching, and so I'm gonna go through some scriptures, but I want to share with you uh, on water baptism that we see in the life of Christ through the New Testament disciples and into the New Testament church. And then I want to take us back, and I want to I want to just kind of dive into the thought: Is baptism just a New Testament thing? Like, did it start with John the Baptist, or was that something that happened in the Old Testament? So we're going to unpack that a little bit, and then I'm also going to be able to uh, have enough time to dive into some of the common questions that comes with baptism. You know, I don't know about for you, but uh, you know, for for me, I was raised Catholic, uh, Irish Catholic home. Uh, Catholics on my mom's side of the family all the way back, Catholics on my dad's side all the way back. My uncle was a priest, all right? I, I was an altar boy. I went to Catholic school, right? So I did all the sacraments and everything else. And it was interesting that of all the things that uh, they got seemingly right, there was a few things that were a little bit unique and it looked like more of the tradition of men than actually the word of God. And one of them was my parents told me, hey, we baptized you when you were a baby. And I thought, well, that's great, cool. So I got my, you know, get out of jail free card and I'm going to heaven because I was baptized as a baby. That's what I, that's what I thought. That's not correct doctrine, by the way. And so, but that's what I thought. And, uh, and so I grow up and then I have a radical conversion experience. I get saved and I actually start reading the Bible. I didn't really read the Bible much as a kid. And then I finally started reading the Bible as an adult. And everywhere I looked, I'm like, man, there was no place where I saw babies baptized. Like, what the heck, you know? Am I baptized? Am I water baptized? And I remember my pastor doing a teaching on it. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to be water baptized. And so I went, I, I got to tell you, I was so nervous. I don't know why. I never, I'm not a guy that gets nervous, kind of like not for anything, but I was really nervous about this. And I remember going to that swimming pool and, and we baptized. It felt like the whole church came out. And of course, I didn't really know anybody. I was new. So I felt uncomfortable even at that, like all these people looking at me, you know, and I invited my parents and they thought I was just gone crazy because they're like, you were baptized. You don't need to be baptized again. You were already baptized, you know, and uh, and so I, I went into the waters of baptism and I can just tell you, it wasn't just a physical experience of going in the water and coming up. It was a supernatural spiritual experience. It was a holy moment that forever marked my life. And if you've not been water baptized, I just want to encourage you over the course of this message and even through the week ahead, I want you to encourage you to open your heart up and you to ask the Lord, Lord, are you asking me, are you calling me to be water baptized? So we're gonna go through some of these scriptures and my goal by the end of the teaching today is that you wouldn't just have more knowledge about baptism and hear some cool stories. My, my goal is that you would understand and have enough proficiency in understanding the scripture that you could regurgitate it, paraphrased in your own way to somebody in your life if they ask, why are you water baptized? Like Christians, why are you water baptized? Like, what, what, why is that? What, what's the purpose of that? Like, I go swimming. Am I water baptized? I go in a hot tub. Am I water baptized? I took a bath. Am I water baptized? No, you're not water baptized. So why is it that? Why is that? Why is that so special? And why do you believe that? So we're going to dive into that. So my goal is that at the end of the teaching today, that you're actually going to have a little bit more strength in your spiritual tool belt, if you will, to be able to answer some of those questions and that you 
would be then able to lead somebody else in water baptism. Matthew 3, 13 through 17 is going to be where we start. We're going to look at the baptism of Jesus. Then we're going to take a look at the Great Commission in Matthew 28. And then we're going to take a look at the birth of the early church. And then we're going to package this whole thing together. It's going to be great. So Matthew 3, 13 through 17. If you're there, say amen. All right, and if you're not there, you don't have a Bible, that's cool. We got a really big Bible right here on the screen for you. You're gonna love, all right? So Matthew 3, 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Remember that, fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So let me just pause there. So this is Jesus getting baptized. So Jesus was baptized. Now, when you think of baptism, most people think of repentance of sin and then I'm water baptized. Well, Jesus had no sin, so why was Jesus baptized? Why was Jesus, Jesus was water baptized. It was part of a commissioning to fulfill all righteousness. So Jesus is water baptized. He comes up out of the waters of baptism and then he goes into the wilderness. He fasts 40 days. During that time, he's tested by Satan. He comes out filled with the Holy Spirit. He begins his ministry and for three and a half years, he ministered all throughout different areas of of Israel, primarily in the region of Galilee. There was about 250,000 people that lived there at that time. Primarily around the area of the Sea of Galilee. Um, he went back to his hometown for a few cameo appearances in Nazareth and, uh, and then also in Jerusalem. So he ministered, he walked around, he did this, he, he gathered followers, kind of like a church, if you will. He had a group, ragtag bunch of young teenage boys, believe it or not, that he said, hey, I want you to come follow me. And when Jesus said, come follow me, he didn't just say that to anybody. A rabbi would only say, come follow me, if he thought, you know what, not only could you know what I know, I think you can do what I do. And so Jesus calls these young boys, and he spends time with them for three and a half years, and then sacred and secular historians would all agree that what happened next really happened. Jesus ministered for three and a half years, then he was crucified on a cross. He died, he was buried, and then on the third day, he rose again. That marks what we would know as our Easter, okay? And, and on, that, on that, when he rose again, it was actually the feast of the first fruits in the Jewish calendar. So he rose again on that day, and then he spends 40 days appearing to over 500 eyewitnesses. People were so believing that, man, I just spent time with Jesus, that crazy rabbi that we saw die on the cross, he's back and he's alive. Like what in the world? Like I'm so convinced I spent time with him that when people told me, you either renounce that you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, or you'll be killed. Many of them died a martyr's death and they said, no, I'd rather be killed because I know he's the son of God. I know he's the Messiah. I know what I saw is real. You can't convince me otherwise. No, he is the son of God. And so Jesus, after 40 days spending time with them, he tells them, hey, I don't want you to go anywhere. I want you to stay in Jerusalem and pray and wait. My father's got a gift for you. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. My father has a gift for you. Don't leave. And then Jesus ascends into heaven. But before he sends into heaven, he has a moment where he brings his disciples in close and he shares these words. He shares these words out of Matthew 28, 19 through 20. 
Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So you see that baptism was so intertwined with commissioning that Jesus emphasizes this in his quote-unquote farewell address. These are the last words he's going to share with his compadres before he is taken up into heaven. And what does he say? He says, when you go out and make disciples, I want you to baptize them. Baptism is the hallmark of every believer. So they're the the the, the disciples, they, they watch Jesus ascend into heaven. What do they do? They go back to Jerusalem. They gather together and they start having daily prayer meetings. And they would pray throughout the day and they'd pray for the evening. And they don't really even really know what they're praying for. They're just like, Jesus told us to stay and wait and pray. <laughs> so they're praying and worshiping and somebody's singing and somebody's probably banging on some sort of a drum or maybe had an instrument or whatever. But they're praying and they're worshiping and they're singing. And then after 10 days of that, in the Jewish calendar, it was the start of the Feast of Weeks. They count, we, we know it as, it's also called Pentecost. Penta, meaning five. It was, it was counting off of, of the 50 days from the Feast of the First Fruits. And so 50 days later, you have Pentecost. So it's the Feast of Weeks. So all the Jewish people are gathered back into the city for more festivals and more time. And what happens? Whoosh! The Holy Spirit comes through like a mighty rushing wind and it blows their minds and the disciples experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit and they walk out and all of Jerusalem was like, what is going on? What did that, what was that sound? Like they didn't have airplanes landing at John Wayne Airport that would make a sound like that. So all the cities like a buzz going like, what in the world's going on? And so they come together and then this, they're like, what's happening? And so then Peter gets up and Peter, he preaches his first message. And what does he do? He rips his message from the prophet Joel, and he tells him what's been happening. And his message was awesome. It was less than five minutes, and it had incredible results. If I could preach for only five minutes and had the results that Peter had, oh, that would be, oh, happy day, okay? And so, uh, so Acts 2, 37 through 38, we see what happened there. It says, now when they heard this, they being the people that were in the city, the Jewish people that had come to celebrate the festival, they're all there. They heard that sound. Peter gets up and he preaches a message and he shares with them about Jesus. It says, now when they heard this, they were cut to their heart and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter tells them two things for two reasons. Verse 38, Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will, promise, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2.41, so those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Peter gets up, preaches a short message, rips all the good stuff from the prophet Joel, adds a little bit of his own flavor. 3,000 people get saved, they get water baptized, and they added to the church. And the church goes from 120 that were gathered in that upper room to over 3,000 in one day. God can do something suddenly. I'm believing God's doing something suddenly, even in this room, even in hearts and minds right now today. The word baptize, now what does that mean? That's kind of a funky word. If you're not familiar with it, if you don't have a church background, let me just unpack it for you. Baptize, it actually is, it's an English version of a Greek word, baptizo. And it means, it's a, it's a verb that means to immerse, submerge, to cleanse by dipping or submerging, to wash, 
to make clean with water. So back up. So I read to you the story about Jesus getting baptized. So what was happening is all these people were feeling a call to repentance and they wanted to get right with God. So they came out, they heard about this wild guy, John, John the Baptist, who's baptizing people. And they go, I'm unclean. I need to get clean. I need to get right with God. And so the physical act that you would do as a Jewish person is you would go and have a ceremonial washing. And so they would go. And now there's different places that you could wash, but John's in the wilderness. And so he would go and, and, and these people want to get right with God. And so he would baptize them. So Jesus comes up. Jesus gets baptized by John. And then Jesus teaches his disciples to water baptize. And then when the church is birthed, what's the first thing the new believers do? They get water baptized right then and there. So the question is, did water baptism originate with John the Baptist? Before you answer that, let me read a few scriptures to you. 1 Corinthians 10, this is the Apostle Paul. 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 2 says, Our fathers, so he's talking about the children of Israel, go back in time when the nation was young, when they came out of Egypt. He says, Our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. So the Apostle Paul is talking about how the freedom that the children of Israel experienced in coming out of Egypt, coming through the Red Sea, the Red Sea was parted, and they came into the Promised Land, and Moses was leading them. The Apostle Paul is making the claim to them. He's saying That's, that, that was a foreshadow of Jesus taking you out of your bondage of sin. The Red Sea was parted, right? You're cleansed by the blood of Jesus and you're stepping in to eternal life. You're entering into a promised land. You didn't do anything to earn this freedom. Jesus gave you this freedom. The children of Israel didn't really do anything to earn that freedom. God had mercy on them and he brought them out. God has had mercy on you and me and brought us out of a life of sin into a promised land, which is relationship with him. And so, and actually, if you, if you want to look at some other scriptures, we don't have it on the screen, but Peter likens, uh, he actually talks about in 1 Peter, 1 Peter 3, he's talking about how when Noah, when he likens the waters of baptism in the New Testament, he likens it to actually Noah. When Noah was saved in his whole family, eight of them total were saved on the ship, that he likens that to the waters of baptism. Let's go to Leviticus 15.31. So Leviticus was a book that was written, um, it was from God to, to Moses. Moses wrote it out, and he writes this. It says, Leviticus 15, 31, Thus you shall keep the people of Israel separate from their uncleanness, lest they die in their uncleanness by defiling my tabernacle that is in their midst. You're like, what is the uncleanness thing? What are we talking about? There, there's a holy God. There's certain things that you do in your life that's not sin, but it would make you unclean to a holy God. And so if you were going to approach a holy God, you would just have to go be cleansed. You would have to have a ceremonial washing. That same word for the ceremonial washing, the cleansing, etc. that's where if you look, it's the same tense of the word where we get the word baptized. Isaiah 1.16 says, wash yourselves and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight. Give up your evil ways. So that word, when it's talking about cleansing, washing, 
Um, that word in baptism, that actually in the Old Testament, what we know is baptism in the New Testament, that word for washing, cleansing, ceremonial, etc., that appears over 67 times in the, in the New King James Version translation, over 72 times in some other translations, depending on which one you're reading. But anyways, all to say that there, there's emphasis there and there's reason to believe, obviously, that baptism, water baptism, was a pattern that God instituted back in the Old Testament that foreshadowed what he would do in the New Testament, the new covenant. So ceremonial cleansing and uh, purification, it was not, it was not a one-time event. There were different things that you would do through the course of life that you would actually have been baptized, you would have had to have been ceremonial cleansed, washed, etc., multiple times in your life. In fact, one article that I read from a theologian recently, uh, you know, there was good claim there that during Jesus' day, many people were getting baptized multiple times at different seasons of their life for different reasons. And so some said, you know, this might not have been the first time that Jesus was ever baptized, but that was or, or for the ceremonial cleansing that you would have done as a, as a follower of, of God. And so, uh, so there's reason to believe that. We don't have any credence to that in the Bible. That's just Jewish tradition. And in the Jewish tradition, Jewish has an, or the Jewish people, they have an oral tradition that's been passed down called the Mishnah, okay? In the Mishnah, they would have uh, six different areas where you could have ceremonial cleansing. There's six different options that would satisfy the requirements. They would have pits of standing water, and this is kind of the, this is the order, okay? They would have pits of standing water, which was acceptable, but it's not desirable, but if that's all you got, jump in the muddy water, okay? Then they would have cisterns of standing water that they would actually, you know, carve out and build out, et cetera, and the cisterns were, would have been cleaner. Um, and then they had pits that were refreshed by rainwater, which was slightly more desirable. And then they would, then they built these things called mikvahs. Everybody say mikvah. Get your inner Jewish going on. Just that mikvah. You just got your Hebrew lesson for today. And, and the mikvah was a custom built ritual bath and it had about 300 liters of water or more in it. So you would do that. And a lot of houses, when, when, when Israel experienced, you know, their rebirth as a nation back in the late sixties, they went through, archaeologists went through and carved out and they were able to have more access to the nation at that time. And they dug out different areas and they found that a lot of homes of wealthy individuals actually had a mikvah in the basement so that they could have ceremonial cleansing and washing so that they could purify themselves and then they would go to the temple. And so you'd have the mikvah, then above the mikvah, man, if you could go to a fountain, that was ideal. But the best, the best place you could go as a Jewish person, if you were gonna go for a ceremonial cleansing washing, that was what they called to go to a place where there was flowing water or what they referred to as living waters. Believe it or not, that's what they have in the Mishnah. Can you see the foreshadowing of what God is doing, right? And so they would have flowing. In fact, here's a quote from the Mishnah. This says, superior again are living waters which serve, we'll have it on the screen there, the, the quote on mikvah. Next slide. One, two, boom, there it is. Superior again are living waters which serve for the immersion of persons. For in it, persons may immerse themselves and... Immerse others. So there's this pattern 
that you see from the Old Testament into the New Testament. So John the Baptist, now John is the son of Zechariah. Do everybody remember who Zechariah is? If you know the Christmas story, you've probably heard it a few times. Zechariah goes in, he was a priest, a high-ranking priest, and he gets selected on a certain time to go and actually burn incense before the Lord. So he is selected. That, it, 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 is a, it, it is just such a, a holy, beautiful moment, opportunity for a priest to be called upon to go and you get to be the one to burn incense before the Lord. It was a big deal. So Zechariah is John's dad. In fact, some theologians actually believe that John the Baptist could have been in line to be the next high priest in the nation of Israel. But due to politics in the Jewish faith and uh, due to politics with Rome and the fact that John was a little bit outspoken of a guy, um, that did not happen. And remember, Jesus said that you need to baptize me because when you do, this is actually going to fulfill righteousness. So John had a baptism and Jesus was baptized John. But when Jesus was baptized by John, it wasn't a baptism of repentance. It was a baptism of commissioning. Before Jesus did anything in his public ministry, he was water baptized. So the three primary baptisms that you see in the New Testament, you have John's baptism, Christian baptism, and baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know some of you are here, they're like, what about being baptized into the faith and baptized in the church? I understand. We're going to get to that. But there's the three primary baptisms that the church recognizes is John's baptism, Christian baptism, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So here's the question. Why is water baptism so important? Number one, baptism is so important because it's the covenant seal of the new covenant. The covenant seal of the new covenant. So covenants always had seals and signs. So if you and I had a covenant, we would, we would seal that covenant, right? We'd put a stamp, a seal on it, and then we would have a sign of the covenant. We, we would, uh, a lot of times we would break bread together. We would share a meal together. That was often a sign of a covenant. There were other signs of covenants. Um, when uh, God said uh, to Abraham, uh, I'm, I'm gonna set you apart, and it became known as the Abrahamic covenant, God, the, the sign and the seal of the Abrahamic covenant was that Abraham would be circumcised, Okay. So Abraham is circumcised and that set them apart and all the children of Israel would have to be, uh, all the children of Abraham, excuse me, later on the children of Israel, all the children of Abraham would have been uh, circumcised. So when God looks down, it's easy to see if you're circumcised, then you're part of me. If you're a Jewish person by birth and you're not circumcised, you're actually cut off because you're not living according to the Abrahamic covenant that I've set in place. And there's a blessing that comes in the covenant relationship. So it's a, it's a, it's a sign and it's a seal. Colossians 2.11 talks about circumcision and water baptism very similarly. Read this. Colossians 2.11, in him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. When you're saved, the covenant between you and God is sealed through water Baptism, okay? Um, somebody might say, well, do I have to be water baptized to be saved? And the answer is no. Why do we know that? Because the thief on the cross is a prime example, right? So the, the 
Jesus is being crucified. He's in the middle. He's got a thief on one side and on the other. One guy's mocking him. The other guy's like, will you remember me? when You're, you're the son of God. I clearly see it. Will you remember me when you go into your kingdom? And Jesus tells him, I will. The thief on the cross did not have time. Time out, everybody. I'm gonna climb down from the cross and go over to the waters of baptism, get baptized. Yay, all right, get back up on the cross and now I'm gonna die and then I'm gonna go be with Jesus. No, no, no. You're, you're saved only, only through Jesus, okay? It's not Jesus plus anything, okay? But baptism is the first commandment that Jesus gives. Now, here's the important thing about baptism. It's the first commandment Jesus gives, it's the, it's the last thing he says to his disciples, okay? So if you say, I believe in Jesus, but I'm not water baptized, then you're not obeying Jesus' first commandment. You, you may still go to heaven, but I just don't know how much you're gonna do on earth for the Lord if you're not water baptized. If, if he can't trust you with obeying the first thing, why would he give you more things? Why would he entrust you with more? Just a thought. So being baptized and baptizing others is the hallmark of every single disciple. I want to read to you just a little blurb from Christian Post article on baptism. So there's a massive revival happening right now in Iran. Some of you may know or may not know that, but there's massive revival that's happening there. House churches are exploding. They're baptizing people like crazy. And they're also facing immense persecution. If you remember, there's been a wave that kind of hit the news last year. Well, that's still going strong. They're still executing people. They're still murdering people because of their faith. Like that didn't just stop because Fox News stopped reporting on it, okay? Like it's still happening. And an Iranian church leader was quoted by saying this. He said, the efforts by the Ayatollahs to destroy Christianity backfired, but have served to refine and purify the church. What persecution did was destroy the church that were not true disciples and destroyed the church that was just all about converts, all these church planters found out real quick that converts run away from persecution, but that disciples would die for the Lord in persecution. He said, so our model for our churches in Iran is that we don't convert to disciple. We disciple people so that we can convert. My question is you, are you a convert or are you a disciple of the Lord? Are you a true disciple of the Lord? That's between you and God. Mark 8:38 Jesus said if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation the son of man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his father's glory with his holy angels if you call yourself a christian and you're not water baptized but you can be water baptized why why wouldn't you be the thief on the cross couldn't obviously be water baptized <laughs> He didn't really have that choice. But if, if he could have the choice, I believe he would have. You have that choice. You can be water baptized. So number one, the, the reason for water baptism is the covenant seal of the new covenant. Number two, baptism in water supernaturally empowers us to know and serve Jesus. So the, the, the circumcision uh, analogy that Paul uses in, in talking about circumcision and baptism. So the circumcision that happened in Abraham's day was a sign of a covenant that he made between him and Abraham. And he said, wherever there is a circumcised male, I'm going to pour out blessing on that household. Okay. And so the, the, the reason, the, the, the benefits of circumcision, if you will, without being too graphic in nature, was the benefits of the children of Israel in circumcision was hygiene and sensitivity. Okay, the, the benefits when you're water baptized is you are cleansed and you have a greater sensitivity to the things of God. 
You have a greater sensitivity to the things of God. And there's something supernatural that happens when we go into the waters of baptism and we come out. And just in the same way where they're talking about circumcision of the flesh, what happens is you go down one way and that fleshy heart that's all about me, mine, I, this, that, it's all about Jeff's world. All that stuff of my heart was carved out and circumcised off of me when I went in the waters of baptism, I came up. Suddenly, I had a new sensitivity to the things of God. Suddenly, I was more sensitive to the things of him. The reading of the word of God seemed like it just jumped off. The, the words were jumping off the pages, like I could read and understand. And, and I actually was diagnosed uh, uh, with dyslexia as a kid. Like they, they had me in the special reading class. I'm like, I know I'm not special. I know what this class is all about. <laughs> It's because I can't keep up with anybody else in my room right now. So you put me over here with the special class, trying to make me feel like I'm special. I'm, yeah, I feel special. I feel special that I don't know what's going on right now, you know? And suddenly, as I read the word of God after I was water baptized, it started to make sense. And then suddenly I had thoughts and revelation and the Lord started speaking to me. He was always speaking to me. I just didn't really navigate and be able to hear. So the Lord starts speaking to you. Galatians 3.26 says this, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, you've put on Christ. So when you're baptized, you're being put on Christ, right? Remember baptism, you're being fully submersed. You're putting on Christ. Romans 6, 3 through 4 says this, Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were also baptized into his death? Therefore, we're buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. Jesus died on the cross. He was buried. He rose again. In the waters of baptism, we're going to stand you up. We're going to ask you, why do you want to be water baptized today? And you might say whatever uh, the Lord puts on your heart. I'm making a fresh commitment to God. I've never been water baptized and I'm a believer in Jesus and I know this is the next thing to do. I wanna go public with my faith. I want everybody to know that I'm a follower of Christ today. And then we're gonna baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name and you're gonna go down one way and if you've done a lot of bad things in your life, we'll hold you down there for an extra few minutes. <laughs> Kidding. I've not, not lost one person doing water baptisms at the beach, I promise you. And then you get raised up a new person. I remember when I baptized my brothers, I baptized my mom. I got saved and then I ended up, uh, finally the craziness of, of me wore off with my parents and they finally started listening and we started having some normal dialogue about faith. And anyways, both of my parents came to the Lord and, and I baptized them both in a river. Uh, my brothers were baptized. And uh, I remember I did have the thought of just holding my brothers down there just a little bit longer to remind them their old person is dead. <laughs> They're new. <laughs> You raise up a new life. Number three, water baptism purifies our conscience from our life of sin and gives us confidence in our relationship with Jesus. When you're water baptized, you have a fresh confidence in your faith. If you're not water baptized, like people that haven't been water baptized and you ask them, are you saved? They're kind of like, yeah. And it's almost like they're trying to convince themselves that they're like excited about it. It's like the dad at Disneyland. Aren't you so excited you're here? It's like, yeah, right? You know, it's like, you know, are you saved? Are you really saved? Are you going to heaven? Yeah, I think. But if you're water baptized, you know, 
I know that I'm saved. Man, when I'm water baptized, there's a confidence, a new, fresh confidence that comes on you when you take that act of faith. 1 Peter 3.21 says this, baptism, which corresponds to this, it now saves you not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Some people are so plagued by negative thoughts and, 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 and that, that bad conscience where they just feel shameful. They feel like, man, I can't just get, I, I feel like I just kind of get a little bit further and then I get knocked back down. They don't have that confidence in their salvation because I'm telling you, they have not experienced the sign and the seal of the new covenant relationship through water baptism. So the questions, I'm gonna answer a few questions as we, Close today. Question number one. Do I have to be water baptized in order to go to heaven? And the answer is no. That, um, that, that theology, that doctrine of thought is known as baptismal regeneration. Uh, baptismal regeneration. They believe that baptism is necessary for your salvation. Um, that regeneration in a person does not incur unless they are water baptized. And that's simply not the case. Why, do, why, why is that not the case? Let's debunk it for a few reasons. Number one, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, this is the Apostle Paul writing, says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. Everybody say, by grace, through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's a gift from God, not by works so that no one can boast, okay? So you're not saved by simply being water baptized. And there's people that I've seen that have jumped into the waters of baptism, be baptized because they're thinking, this is gonna save me, I gotta do this so I can be saved. No, you're saved. You're saved by grace through faith. That's it. Like Jesus plus nothing, that's it. Baptism is a good work, but it's not a saving work, okay? Paul and Silas, you remember the story in Acts 16. So Paul and Silas, they're in jail and, and all this stuff happens in the, in, and, and the jailer has this moment with them. And in Acts 16, 30 through 31, it says this. He then brought them out and he asked them, the jailer brings them out and he says to Paul and Silas, he says, what do I have to do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Like notice he did, like Paul, he could have made it really simple and clear right then. He could have done a, a three-point sermon on baptism with the guy. He could have taught a three-week class with him in the jail cell, but instead he just says, no, just believe in Jesus. And you, you're, you and your household, you'll be saved. If you believe in Jesus, you'll be saved. So Jesus plus nothing equals salvation, okay? But there is power in baptism. Luke 23, 43, truly I say to you the day, this day, this is Jesus to the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. Again, there's no recorded baptism of the thief on the cross, so we know that you don't have to be water baptized to be saved, but if you can't and you won't, my question is why? Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you get wet for Jesus, right? So, so water baptism, a lot of people liken water baptism to like a wedding ring, okay? So whether I have this wedding ring on or off, I'm still married to Fawn. 21 years strong, baby. And it's better every year. Thank you very much. It's been the best decision of Fawn's life. <laughs> best thing that ever happened to me outside of Jesus was my wife she knows it whether I have this ring on or off I'm still married but when I put this ring on every woman that hands me a cup of coffee at Starbucks every coworker I ever had any gal when I was flying on a plane that ever might have maybe thought that I was somewhat attractive sees this ring this is a symbol 
This is a sign. I'm committed. I'm devoted. When you're water baptized, you're saying, I'm committed. I'm devoted to you, Jesus. I'm going to live for you for the rest of my life. Maybe you're here and you're like, I've been water baptized, but man, I'm feeling a stirring to be water baptized again. Is that okay? Absolutely. Let me tell you this. Satan is not going to tell you to be water baptized. <laughs> He's not, Satan's not going around going, Let, you should be water baptized. You should be water baptized. No. Like that's the last thing he wants. So if you're feeling in your heart right now, you know what? I'm going to go to that Pirate's Cove thing and I'm going to be water baptized. That's the Lord speaking to you. You respond to that. You experience newness of life that comes through the waters of baptism. Amen. Question number two. Some people say, can I be sprinkled? Or do I have to be fully immersed? I like those churches where they just go like this, right? You know, do I have to, can I do that or do I have to be fully immersed? Now, now the, the pattern, again, the, the pattern for the Bible is, you know, if you go back to baptize, right? The word baptize. So the word baptize, it means to fully immerse, right? Submerge, cleanse, right? So that's the pattern. Jesus was fully immersed in water. Uh, everywhere you read in the New Testament, they were fully immersed in water. And the pattern was repent. They, they believed in Jesus. They repented their ways and they were baptized, okay? When they were baptized, they were immersed. Now, some people said, well, sprinkling is not mentioned in the Bible. The only time sprinkling is actually really mentioned when it comes to salvation, everything it talks about Jesus' blood being sprinkled over the nations. It's kind of a far stretch for some of the people that want to hold on to that as the common doctrine for baptism. Um, but if somebody, if somebody can't be water baptized then sure, sprinkling would be, I, I think that would be fine. Like if somebody is, is, you know, they were in a massive car accident and they're hooked up in a, in, a, in a hospital with all these things and literally if you unhooked them to baptize them, it would kill them, you know? Probably best to just sprinkle them. And I as a pastor, I, w- I would do that. I, w- I, would sprink- I would sprinkle them, pour water on them or what have you. Um, There's certain instances where people just can't be water baptized. And I think that would be okay. But if you can be water baptized, if you can be fully immersed. I think the pattern that we see throughout the scripture, we can all agree is they were fully immersed in water down and up, okay? In fact, the the term baptizo, uh, they would actually use that when they talked about dyeing a fabric. So you would take a fabric and, you know, and you'd, you'd make the fabric and, um, and you would, you would, you would have a garment that you created and it would just be whatever the color was of, of, um, of the, the crop, the, the cotton or what have you. Okay. So it'd be that color. And then you would dip it in, in the dye until it became the color. And when you dipped it and you immersed it in the dye, they actually called that, you would baptize that in the dye until it became the color to be able to match the dye. What happens when you're water baptized is Jesus wants you to match him. That's, that's the goal, to, for all of us to be little Christians. You're Christians. You're Christians, right? You're little Christs. You're Christians. And so you're, being, you're going into the waters of baptism. The goal is that all of us look more like Jesus every single day. Question number three, should babies be water baptized? I think we already kind of answered that. Uh, but the answer is, the pattern that we see in Scripture was they believed in Jesus. They repented and were water baptized. Well, babies haven't done anything wrong. Babies don't really know what's going on. So unless a child is at an age where they can really understand that they're believing in Jesus themselves, baptizing a baby 
That, there, there's no reason for that. The history of water baptism of baby was because there was a high mortality rate in the children in, in the Catholic church. Fear was spreading rampant and all these kids are dying and the parents wanted to be sure they were saved and they held to the belief that baptism is what saved you. And so they would take these babies and so the priest made amends for them and began to baptize babies before they would die. So that's where that came from. And then it just kind of never, never left the Catholic church and some of these different reformed churches etc. They still believe in sprinkling or some believe in water baptism, etc. That's where that comes from. So question number four, who should be water baptized? People who believe in Jesus. Anybody who believes in Jesus, you believe, believe in Jesus, you be water baptized. Who should believe in, who, who, who should be water baptized? You who believe in Jesus. When am I water baptized? Somebody might say, well, I was water baptized as a kid like a teenager, I kind of knew what was going on, but man, then I walked away from God and I'm coming back to God. Should I be water baptized again? I would say yes, because there's something that didn't stick there. There's something there in your relationship with Christ where you maybe didn't really fully know what you were doing and saying yes to. So I'd say if you're feeling prompted to go be water baptized again, the answer is yes, go be water baptized again. The pattern again was people would believe in Jesus, they would turn from their sins and be water baptized. And then after that, they were added to the church. God doesn't want any, any lone rangers out there. Okay, he wants you in the body. He didn't create you as a son of God to have you go live as an orphan. Okay, he wants you planted in part of a local body of church where you can grow and where you can not only be blessed, but you can be a blessing to others. Like we said at the beginning, our vision here at Authentic, encounter God, discover community that you would fulfill God's call in your life. There's something special on you that's not on me. It's not on my wife. That's not on my, there's something special in you that the world needs to see. And we as a community of faith would be blessed by you being part of the community of faith. So in closing, Acts 22, 16, this is where I'm going to land the plane and I'll have Matt come up and join me on the keys. Acts 22, 16. My question today, what are you waiting for? Get up and be water baptized. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? If you, if you can't be water baptized, that's one thing. But if you can be water baptized, then why wouldn't you? For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.